Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bike Rider Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRider.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Welcome to the Bike Rider Podcast with me, George Scott, the editor-in-chief of Bike Radar for this Paris-Roubaix Tech special. Joining me in the studio today is Liam Cahill, our road and gravel presenter over on our YouTube channel, but for today, our tech nerd-in-chief for Paris-Roubaix. Liam, we're a couple of days after the race now. How are you? I'm fine. I, I was probably the only one in the office willing to sit through the entirety of both races, um, but that's kind of my ideal weekend. So I'm glad you're happy about it because you did a fantastic job on oh, our coverage. Thanks. Uh, thanks also to our photographers on the ground, uh, Matt Grayson and James Short. They did a brilliant job on the ground covering the, the tech highlights from both the Paris-Roubaix Femme on Saturday and the men's Paris-Roubaix on Sunday. We've already published full tech deep dives on bikeradar.com and on our YouTube channel covering all of the highlights from this year's race. I do recommend you check those out. But in this podcast, we're going to give you the 30-minute highlight package covering tyres, aero bikes, gearing, and then detouring back to tyres to talk about the inflation systems, the tyre management pressure systems we saw debut at this year's Paris-Roubaix. So Liam, we've got half an hour before the podcast overlord, Jack Luke, kicks us out of the studio to record a news roundup for Friday. So let's get down to business. Tyres are always a key talking point at Paris-Roubaix. That's always been the case. Wide tyres have generally been preferred for the, the super rough cobbles of northern France. But over the past few years, we've seen the switch from tubulars, that long-standing historic standard, to these newfangled tubeless tyres. And that only continued this year. So what did you spot when it came to tyres? Yeah, so I, I think for context, um, on a road bike, your only suspension is your tyres. Uh, there's a bit that comes from the frame, but it's not much. Um, so if you can run wider tires, you can run lower pressures. You 
should get you know the same rolling resistance for those lower pressures gives you more grip gives you more comfort gets you to the velodrome hopefully with no punctures as well what we spotted was probably the most number of 32 millimeter tires that we've ever seen contentious what people actually finished on Alison Jackson was on uh, tubulars. She uh, she danced into the velodrome and she gave us like a finish line dance. It was absolutely brilliant. But she was on tubulars, 28 millimeters, Vittoria Corsa G2.0s, uh, lovely tan sidewalls as well. Matthew Vanderpoel, however, he started on 28 millimeter Vittoria Corsa Pro tubeless tires um these are also lovely tan sidewalls so it was a big victory for a, a proper tan sidewall um but there's some confusion as to what he actually finished on some people are suggesting that his ridiculously uh, casual bike change where he basically hopped up onto a verge popped his bike against the wall and seemed to just take a nature break um that might have been him getting a set of thirty-two millimeter tires uh, for the for the rougher cobbles at at the back end of the race. You know, when you come to the crunch time, you have uh, the Wallers section that leads into the Arenberg section. Both of those are pretty hellish. Um, they really set up the race. They they were crucial this year. And then further into um, you know down the line, you've got Mons en Pavel. You've got the Carrefour de Labre. Honestly, I've ridden those sections. They they leave you with hands that you can't actually control. You have to peel your fingers back <laughs> to regain use of them. So good luck trying to break. That's why they go around corners so fast on the cobbles, by the way. They can't use their hands. So yeah, fitting or switching to a wider tire might have been a race-winning move for Vanderpoel. That's a, that's a really interesting snippet that we picked up on since we published your article on the website mm. last night. Um, you did mention in your article, actually, when it was published, that Vanderpool had one of the most casual bike changes we've ever seen. Those were your words. <laughs> and then that kind of makes sense that it was a it was a scheduled bike change. The first, what, 100 kilometers of Paris-Roubaix are on tarmac. Mm. Um, super fast, uh, the, 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 the brake. Uh, lots of riders fighting it out to, to get away in, into the brake. And then the cobbles start after about... 100 kilometers so for someone like Mathieu Vanderpool who you know can do casual bike changes in his sleep from his cyclocross days kind of makes sense but it's a really interesting move mm. I mean it would have been a pre-planned I'd say best case scenario for the team because because Roubaix is so chaotic they wouldn't have known kind of where he'd have been able to do that and it really only came down to Alpecin had loads of riders at the front it was pretty chill there was a break a minute and 30 up the road or something like that. And they probably got the team car back to the, you know, the rear end of that group and just said, okay, let's do it. And he'd have just like, that's why we just saw him basically hop up onto the verge and change then. Personally, I thought he had a puncture, but maybe it was that. We've asked Victoria and Alperson to Koenig um, for confirmation on this and if it comes, it'll be too late for this podcast, but we will update your article if we hear whether it was a planned and scheduled bike change. But that certainly seems to be the case. We photographed his bike at the start with 28mm tyres on it. And from some of the photos that we've seen of his bike at the finish, it does seem to have 32s. So uh, a really interesting tech tactic from Matteo Vanderpool at this year's race. God, I love a tech tactic. Tech tactic. That's a good one for the podcast. Brilliant. 
the Corsa Pro that we mentioned there, that is still uh, an unreleased tyre from Vittoria. It broke cover towards the end of last year on a Jumbo Visma team bike, and it's been used throughout the peloton this year on uh, Vittoria's sponsored team. So surely a release is around the corner on that one. Yeah, I, I think we can probably assume some things about that tyre as well. I'd imagine it will have a 320 TPI threads per inch casing. Uh, it will run with a graphene compound. That'll be about it. We kind of know that it's going to be available in 28 and 32 millimeters, uh, maybe a 30 as well, I would assume. I don't think they'll run any lower than a 25. You wouldn't have thought so. No. Not in this day and age. Oh, I don't know. I, I know some people that are clinging on to 23s. Maybe. We'll see. We'll, we'll keep an eye out for that one because uh, well, it's had a good four months of use now. Everyone knows it's coming, and surely for the summer season, Vittoria will have an official launch of that tyre. Some of the other options we saw was actually the Vittoria Corsa Next, which is a released tyre from Vittoria. I think it was released last year, and am I right in saying that's the one with the nylon casing? Yeah, it's meant to be a slightly more everyday tubeless tyre for people that like fast riding. Now, I've seen someone in the YouTube comments, which is always the uh, the most fair place of uh, debate, uh, suggesting that the reason that Neil Zekoff didn't make the breakaway was because he was running the Vittoria course and next tyre. I think that's a bit unfair, to be honest. Um, he, he got to within 10 seconds, but they were really pushing on at the front. So sometimes it's not the equipment, it's just the bike racing. Shame that he didn't make the break, though, because he was running the the inflation system that we'll talk about in a bit. He was indeed. Uh, a few other options that were popular at this year's race, the GP Continental GP 5000 STR in particular. Mm. We did see one rider who had a, a, a very, shall we say, uh, not discreet set of GP 5000 tyres on his bike when he wasn't supposed to. Set Van Mark will name and shame you. Um, he rides for ISN, sponsored by Maxis. Um, no idea why they wouldn't want to use the Maxis tires, but yeah, they they chose it and they got the Sharpies out, but the Sharpie ran out halfway through the job, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some um, some pretty hasty scribbling over the Continental logos on, on that one. Also, Pirelli P0, Goodyear Eagle. Um, most teams seem to be running the sponsor correct tires at this year's race. That's definitely a trend that we've seen from Paris-Roubaix in, in years past when the likes of Dugast and FMB tubulars were, were rolled out in favour of the sponsor correct tires. But most brands seem to have a pretty good tubeless tire in the range these days. Yeah, it's it's something that's dying out at Paris-Roubaix. And it is a shame, really, that, that we don't see so many teams you know, having to break out the Sharpies, the electrical tapes, to, to hide those sponsor incorrect components. And we're not just talking about tires here, bars, stems, everything. It, it used to be great fun going around the pits. And now, I mean, everyone's got their setups pretty much dialed because uh, we're not seeing that. I I will say I didn't see so many Schwab Pro 1s in the men's race, but in the women's race, they were everywhere. And we did see a cobble prototype. Now, whether that's new, I, did, I think I saw that at last year's race. So maybe that's just leftover kind of stock. But yeah, maybe a new tyre from Schwalbe as well. I did ask Schwalbe about that yesterday, actually. And they said that with races like Paris-Roubaix, and this is a quote from Schwalbe, the requirements are very special. So a version of the Schwalbe Pro 1 was used there. We do not comment on any details. They did also go on to say that it won't be released to the public. So 
Ooh, the UCI might have something to say about that. Come on. They might do. Get your ban hammer out, UCI. (laughs) So yeah, there was a a prototype version of the Schwalbe Pro 1 cobble, as it was named on the side of the tie, but we don't know a great deal about that one. Um, Another new unreleased tie that we did see at Paris Bay was the Specialized Mondo. So this is actually a, a reinvigoration of the Mondo name, which existed in the Specialized range as a tire back in the, the 2000s, around 2007, 2008. Specialized haven't released any details about this so far, apart from that they do have new tires in development. What have you spotted from our images, Liam? So I didn't actually know that this was a remake. The, You're a young man. The, the late 2000s were a bit before my time. Um, and yeah, it, it, it came as a surprise to me. This looks like a pretty much production-ready tyre from Specialized. It uses the grips on T2, T5. So T2 is the central bit. Specialized says that it's faster rolling. T5 is the shoulders. It's slightly textured. And they say that it's nice and grippy for the corners. What else do we know about this? The, the surprising thing for me for a cobblestone racing tire, no puncture protection. Usually we see the black belt system with uh, specialized tires. They even have it, I do believe, in their normal road race tires. But nothing here. And Quickstep had a lot of punctures. Um, I didn't see so many with like SD works and in the women's race but yeah the the specialized teams in the men's race had a fair few issues but then that's Roubaix we can't really say that it was just down to this tire yeah it's definitely interesting though there wasn't well certainly on the sidewall of the tire there wasn't any puncture protection mentioned who knows what will happen when it actually is released and we get official details I'm specialised on this tyre, but it's it seemed pretty production ready by looking mm. at that tyre. And the fact it did have the have the T2 and T5 gripped on compound label on the tyre would be an omission, not to mention the punch protection at this stage. So perhaps it's a new super fast race tyre that forgoes or certainly has a minimalist punch protection belt on it from Specialised. But be interesting to ask whether Roubaix was the right race to roll that out. We're speculating here. We don't know much about this tyre, mm. but... Um, yeah, watch this space. They were big. That was the only thing that we can say. They weren't marked, but I don't think I saw less than a 30. We'll bring you more on that when we have it. We have our specialised, but again, tight-lipped on that one, but we know it will be coming at some point in the future. Just briefly on tyres, Liam, before we move on to aero bikes, there were a few tubeless fails at this year's race. Yeah, I want to clear a few things up on that because, again, dived into the YouTube comments this morning and a lot of people blaming or parking the blame on hookless rims. Now, ISN's uh, Derek G, I'm sorry if I got your name wrong, um, he was in the break. He hit the Arenberg sector and he lost his front tyre quite spectacularly. He didn't go down but the tyre removed itself from the rim. But he was using inserts, and Black Ink's uh, wheels are hooked. Bahrain Merida's uh, Fred Wright, he crashed really heavily now. It seems from the video that his front tyre gives way. Like He he doesn't seem to make a sudden move or anything. It seems to just go from under him. He wasn't using inserts, and the Vision Metron 60 SL wheels that we believe he was using are hooked. 
Then AG2R's uh, Campagnolo Bora Ultra WTO 45mm wheels. They had some issues in the Arenberg sector with that. That's a hooked rim, but the tyre didn't dismount. So whether we chalk this up to a failure with something specific, whether this is a tubeless issue, well, I don't think we can say. I think this is the Paris-Roubaix crashes just being chaos again. Was it the Arenberg sector in particular where this, this seemed to come to the fore? We, yeah, we saw, I'd say, three big incidents there. Um, and I've, I've since seen a few directors calling for it to be maybe removed, maybe run in the opposite direction. They've done that in the early 2000s, I think maybe 99 and 2000s. It's very slightly downhill, isn't it? Yeah, it's a downhill run into it. You hit it. I mean, even if you go and ride it as a recreational rider, if the barriers are open, you can hit that section at upwards of 50 kilometers per hour pretty easily. So if you're in a peloton, you know, chasing Van der Poel and Van Aert who've, you know, off the road, um, then, yeah, you, you really do hit it with some speed. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We'll park that one there. We will look into this because a little bit disconcerting to see the tubeless failures that we did. But as you say, Paris-Roubaix is a chaotic race. It's a unique race. And uh, yeah, certainly requires a bit more digging to get to the bottom of that one. Mm. Great. That's tyres covered. We've spent, what, 15, 20 minutes on tyres, but that classic is also Paris-Roubaix. Let's move <laughs> on to aero bikes. This has been, again, one of the key changes over the past few years where if we go back to the start of the 2010s, 2011, 2012, 2013, you saw all sorts of bikes at Paris-Roubaix, cyclocross bikes, bikes with cross-stop brakes. It was a real smorgasbord of random bike tech, as you mentioned before. Whereas now there is a, a huge amount of conformity, both in terms of the bikes that riders are riding and, and generally sponsor correct kit. And that extends to the frame itself. And by our reckoning, only the Trek de Marne being ridden by the Trek Segafredo women's team and the specialised Roubaix for the, uh, or at least for Peter Sagan's Toto Energy team, I think for one or two other specialised sponsored teams, but not all of them. Some of the teams are on the Tarmac SL7 race bike. But the Demane and the Roubaix were the only notable endurance bike that we saw, endurance bikes that we saw at this year's race, when that category was almost born out of Paris-Roubaix. And, and the fact that Specialised named their endurance bike the, the Roubaix speaks to that. So aero bikes, I was going to say are the future, but they're the present at Paris-Roubaix now. Mm. I mean, you can look at this two ways. Yes, it's a shame to kind of see the conformity with aero bikes, but if we take a little side you know, trip to endurance bikes, maybe the fact that they're not needed for these pro races now 
you know, releases them of the shackles of the UCI compliance. And we get more interesting endurance bikes for actual people that buy them. So a few ways to look at this, but let's look at Aero. Uh, Vanderpol rocked up on his Canyon Air Road. That's a new unreleased version of the same bike. We think very few changes. Alison Jackson um, was using the new Super 6. That was the Lab 71 Evo or Evo 71. God knows. Um but yeah, both aero-optimized race bikes. And really, I, at the front of the race, I don't think I saw a full-on endurance bike. The The Cervelo Soloist is kind of an endurance bike, but it's more aero-optimized, I'd say, than full-on endurance bike. Mm, so the Soloist has an aero frame. It's not as aero, certainly looking at it as the S5, which is, well, Van Aert's, go-to bike he also, he also rides the r5 for for mountain days whereas the soloist is kind of an aero light bike it's pitched actually as a more affordable aero bike in the Cervelo range and it has clearance for 34 millimeter tires so i think actually the s5 has clearance for 34 millimeter tires as well yeah. so i'm not sure entirely sure why they changed to the soloist maybe it's a little bit more comfy i i will be interested to see what van art and yumbo do next year because we've had the you know, the fastest two editions of the men's Paris-Roubaix back-to-back. Last year, we thought, wow, it can't get any faster. And then this year, it just went supersonic. So will uh, will Wout choose the more aero option next year and sacrifice a bit of comfort? I mean, he was fastest over uh, the Carrefour de la on on a puncture, which is just insane. Do you think he was running an insert that allowed him to yeah. continue riding as far as he did? Ultimately, he was dropped when the bike change happened, but he got to the end of the sector. Yeah, if you see some of the photos. He has that puncture. Um, the tyre the is certainly flattening and you know reducing in pressure with the left-hand turn. From that left-hand turn, there is a long old stretch of cobbles and really rough cobbles to the end of the sector. You then make a right turn. And the way that he cornered was indicative of a very good bike handler, by the way, um, but indicative of a rider that still had 10, 20 PSI in the tyre, which is what an insert gives you. We don't know exactly who or what teams are running inserts at this year's race, unless you see a mechanic fit in them or some spares hanging from the mechanic's truck. Generally, you're guessing unless the you know, unless it's labelled on the... Um, the rim. Um, some of the Vittoria team, uh, some of the teams running Vittoria tyres had Vittoria airliner stickers on their wheels, including the Yumbo Visma team. But I think it's fair to say, certainly with the Vittoria sponsored teams, I, I would guess, and this is a guess, that more of those teams than not were running inserts. And that's partly because Vittoria is very keen to push that technology. Mm. They have quite a wide, wide range of inserts. Yeah, we we know that when the Vittoria insert was launched, it came with the promise that it wouldn't impact on rolling resistance. Because basically when you add pressure to the tire, it shrinks internally. So it doesn't touch the sidewalls or the, you know, the actual tire. I kind of think why not use them? I mean, Fred Wright there not using them in a continental setup, we don't think. Um as we saw with Van Art, they make a difference. They allow you to get to the end of a sector 
if you're still good enough to handle your bike like that. You still need the bike changes. He did all the, all the wheel change. Well, interestingly, a nice little nugget of information for you that I picked off the uh, What's Occurring podcast with Luke Rowe and Geraint Thomas. Apparently, Wout had his cyclocross mechanic at the end of the Carrefour de Labra sector. So that's why his uh, wheel change was just so slick. Ooh. He did... Uh and a sterling effort to chase back on. Yeah. And and did he pass the group after he got the wheel change? He did, yeah. He he basically flew past them, arguably the strongest rider in the race. Um, and yeah, just that puncture. A shame that ultimately to a degree it does come down to a puncture, but then that is, that's the lottery that is Paris-Roubaix and that's Paris-Roubaix. partly why we love him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just briefly before we move on from Aero, uh, Vanderpool was a great example of just how far this stretches across a rider's complete setup. So he had an aero helmet and the Abus game changer, a skin suit, which commonplace across the peloton now, another key change over the past five to 10 years, and uh, those iconic Zwift branded aero socks that cover a decent portion of his shin. So a complete aero setup for Matteo van der Poel. Yeah, we're not sure what those socks are. I'm sure Simon Bromley would have been able to tell me within five seconds, but... He was still having his morning coffee uh, before we recorded this. Uh, if you know, let us know in the comments. Um, but yeah, Zwift branded, let's say. Excellent. Well, let's move on to Gearin. Um, just briefly before we get onto the main Gearin topic of the day, those riders who are on two by setups, it's very common to see them switch to bigger Gearin for Roubaix. It does roll, particularly over the first 100 kilometers of the course, but by and large, there's no um, climbs of note. So uh, a 54 or a 56 tooth outer ring was common in the men's race, paired with a 44 or 46 tooth inner ring. But we also saw more riders than ever, I'd say, on one by setups. This was exclusive to SRAM sponsored teams. Shimano and Campagnolo either don't offer a one by setup for the road or certainly aren't keen to push it, but SRAM in particular are. So we saw the team Jumbo Visma across both the men's and women's race and Trek Segafredo again across both the men's and women's races predominantly on one by if not all riders so lizzie dignan almost set the trend for this a few years ago when she won the first edition of paris roubaix femme on a one by setup for trek segafredo and that has certainly pushed up a gear for this year's race absolutely i'm not sure whether it's a choice that the riders make or whether the the sponsors are pushing it because if you look at the sram sponsored or no the uh, the shimano teams that kind of buy their group sets in they have freedom to kind of make their own choices and none of them went one by and it's absolutely easy to do um you just put a one by chain ring on you fit a little chain catcher and ideally you'd fit a clutch mech at the back as well but no one did it so maybe the sram teams were just being pushed a bit more but it's not like wow or or anyone I saw had any issues with their one by setup. Like Voss was running one by in the women's race. She had no issues. So, yeah, I, I think for a race like Roubaix, it does make sense, really. Particularly now, given the 12 speed cassettes that you have at, at the back. So, you Absolutely. can maintain a range of gear and, and the small steps between gears to, crucially for a pro rider, have the optimum cadence. Just briefly, what size chain rings were we looking at across the men's and women's races for a one-by setup? Uh, so Voss uh, was a 50. A few of the other women pushed it up to a 52. The men's generally 54. 
And all of them were running chain guides to offer a little bit more security. Yeah, so we saw the likes of Mads Pedersen used a K-Edge system, and then Jumbo Visma used um, oh, Wolftooth. I'm not certain on the, the names of the things, but yeah. The Wolftooth Narwolf, I believe it's called. Oh, the Narwolf. From the mountain bike world. Some of them did actually look slightly um, modified, slimmed mm. down. So aero maybe still a consideration there? I think it was um, Wout Van Arts that, you know, it's certainly not a product in the Wolf Tooth range. And I asked our mountain bike ex- experts because they know all things chain guides and they didn't know what it was either. So perhaps um, either a prototype or a modified version of the Narwolf for that marginal aero gain. Because when you're running a, a front derailleur, there is a small aero penalty there, particularly with the SRAM front derailleur. But by removing that, potentially a gain, but adding the chain guide in again can eat into some of that so um, an interesting setup from Wout Van Aert and we'll again we'll have a little dig into that and ask if we can find out exactly what he was using certainly looked very clean it did to say. Uh, and interestingly I, th- I think certainly from what we saw he was the only Jumbo Visma rider using that particular chain guide most of them seem to be on the stock um, Wolftooth Narwolf including Mariana Voss so yeah an interesting spec modification for Wout Van Aert Great, well, let's move on to our final talking point. And this is perhaps the most interesting in terms of a new innovation at this year's race. And these are the tyre management or tyre pressure management sisters from Scope and Grava at this year's race. So it's the Scope Atmos and the Grava Caps used by Team DSM in the case of Scope and Yumbo Visma in the case of the Grava Caps. So what's going on here, Liam? How do these systems work? Oh, let's not get into that. But basically, you have a hub. you have uh, a little wireless receiver on your handlebars and then the hub connects to a special valve using an air hose. You press a button, you can inflate your tyres by something like 15 PSI a second. It's, it's quite a bit. And you can deflate them. You can do, depending on the system, the amount of air, you can do them four or five times. So these would be really useful coming into some of the five-star sectors. We're talking Arenberg, Carrefour de Monzon Pavel, the really rough stuff where you would benefit from reducing your tyre pressure. So a, to a degree, obviously, you're not changing the width of the tyre, but it's it's a similar line of thinking to what Mattia Vanderpool tried to achieve by mm. changing bikes to switch from 28s to 32s and that he wanted, or he or his team saw the 28s at higher pressure as faster on the road, but then the 32s at a lower pressure as faster on the cobbles and that is effectively what a team or a rider is trying to achieve here by adjusting the tire pressure up or down depending on whether you're riding on cobbles or on the road yeah roubaix is a, a cobbled race but we've we've got to remember that it starts with something like 100 kilometers of perfectly smooth french paved roads yeah they roll but and the speeds are really high so they don't really want to be losing out but then those cobbles are so so harsh and we've seen bike changes in the past we've seen you know people starting on their aero bikes and then switching to the cobble bikes this is possibly just a bit of a neater solution to that we should say that christophe laporte was like the highest place rider that used this system he got a puncture in the arenberg but he was in that front group had he made it to the finish line and then you know placed really really well who knows, we, we might be talking about it more, but I think this might be one that 
they can the riders kind of feed back to the technical support staff in the debrief and then next year will be the acid test mm. will they come back we saw three Yumbo visma riders use the grava cap system in the men's race that was dylan van bala christoph laporte and eduardo Affini, and then and two riders in team dsm in the men's race also nils ekoff and pavel bittner uh, pavel bittner didn't finish the race nils ekoff tried to get into the break and was very close to doing so, as you said earlier, but ultimately didn't and finished 86. So less exposure for the scope Atmos there compared to uh, Christopher Laporte's excellent 10th place finish uh, with the, the the Grava cap. So as you said, Liam, really, this was the initial test. It was really interesting to see this technology at this year's race because the scope Atmos was due to be used last year, but but wasn't. It, 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 was, it wasn't rolled out for the race and we expected it to be. My sorry, my favorite line from last year's race was, um, "Oh no, the the system might add too much complexity. F- you know, we'll use it in a less stressful race, such as the Tour de France." <laughs> <laughs> eh? Yeah, great. It will be really interesting to see whether both um, Team DSM and Yumbo Visma continue to use this system next year. Do you think there's any future in this? I think so. Yeah. If if Van der Poel is changing bikes to get a different tire setup you know mid-race mid-cobble sectors then yeah i i can see this if if the technology is proved to work then it doesn't look like it weight doesn't matter in a roubaix race as you know this style of racing so if you can get that performance benefit if it's shown to be a performance benefit then yeah why not I think it's certainly fair to say that Paris-Roubaix is a niche application, a very specific application, I should say, in the road racing scene or on the road racing scene. But beyond road bikes, is there more scope within gravel, mountain biking, where tyre pressure can be absolutely crucial to your success in any given race? Yeah, so what these brands are advertising this as is um, for normal road riders, maybe you start off in the dry and then it starts to rain and you can optimize your you know road pressure gravel there's obviously applications for if you are you know maybe in a race that starts on hard pack and you know well graded gravel but then has sections of really gnarly stuff mountain biking i'm not a mountain biker but i'm i'm they love tech i'm sure they'll love this why not and I think fair to say as well, we're often a bit more or a bit braver and bolder in the adoption of new tech. Oh, just a bit. Just a bit. Everything we've seen in this year's Paris Bay has been commonplace in mountain biking for the best part of a decade. Yeah. This is a really interesting piece of tech and certainly one of the more contentious ones at this year's race, just by looking at the comments on our article and on social media and on the YouTube channel. Some people love the innovation that's happening here and some people just have no time for it whatsoever. So certainly want to to watch for the future both at next year's Paris-Roubaix and beyond the head of the north. Liam, I think we've done that in half an hour, just over half an hour. Is the countdown clock still going? It's it's flashing at zero. We've we've uh, we've been timed out, but Liam will leave it there. Thank you very much for joining me. Oh, let, let's talk Roubaix Tech again. It's always a pleasure. Thank you once again for listening. Please do Rate us and review us on your podcast provider of choice. And if you have a suggestion for a topic on the Bike Radar podcast, email podcast at bikeradar.com. 
We love getting your emails. We love hearing what you want to hear about on the podcast and we'll always be sure to get back to you. So we'll leave it there, but thank you very much for listening and we will speak to you next time. Au revoir. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.